what's really weird is that if I go down that tunnel, I can get to that tunnel, but not the other way around. I wonder if there's a way that I can fix- Oh, hello! Thank you for joining me once again on Titanium Mine. On this episode, we're talking about a Souls-like game. Aren't you excited? I am... kind of. For those who are not familiar with uh, Souls-like as a genre, some of the tenets of it are trying to have a more tactical, real-time combat system so that you don't just run up to enemies and start smacking them or hope to get critical hits, but that you actually have to think about dodging and blocking and attacking and, you know, moving around your target and uh, thinking critically about how you're going to deal with each enemy. Uh, if you die at any time, the in-game currency that you use to, like, level up gets dropped on the ground, and you have to run back to that spot in order to collect it again, but all the monsters have respawned, so now you gotta get through them. If you don't get to your, you know, souls or whatever you're collecting uh, before they get there, then it is just gone, so you have a little bit of an incentive to get there. It focuses greatly on trying to learn about the combat system and trying to remember where things are. Also, there are usually, like, secrets that are not very apparent in the landscape, and there are areas that you cannot easily access until you get to them in another way uh, and loop back around. This encourages you to look at the landscape in multiple ways uh, in order to unlock shortcuts so that you can get back to areas quicker. Souls-likes are also really well known for having the stamina meter, uh, as you do pretty much anything in the game from running to jumping to uh, dodging or blocking. It will use up stamina on your meter. If you run out of stamina, you can't block, you can't uh, hit things, you have to wait for it to recover. But if you're doing any of those things, the the stamina meter doesn't, like, keep going. So you have to, like, manage that, especially in combat. And, of course, there are the Estus flasks, health potions, whatever you have, which you can drink in combat, but it does take time for you to drink those, and it's not like your enemies are going to be waiting around for you to drink them. So you have to think tactically about when you're going to use those, because... A lot of the bosses, especially in Souls-like games, are also real jerks and occasionally have just abilities that will one-shot you and you don't want to be sitting there trying to drink down a health potion when they smack you down and take over your entire health bar. Exploration and being able to come back and do uh, new things uh, that you couldn't previously access before is also something that you see a lot in Souls-likes, but I feel like that is not just solely in, in Souls-likes. That is actually something it shares with, like, Metroidvanias, although that is a, a whole different category in and of itself, and, and frankly, I actually like the Metroidvania style of, of game more <laughs> overall because I, I like the actual series that it's based on in addition to the stuff that it inspired. Okay, so now you know what a Souls-like is, what does that have to do with our game today? Well, our game today is in that category, and it's called Lords of the Fallen. A game that came out a very long time ago, in the, the yesteryear of 2014. For reference, the original Dark Souls was released in 2011, so this was not far after the game that actually named a genre had come out. 
Yes, I do know that Demon Souls came before that, but it was Dark Souls that was really the anchor point for the genre. That is where it really made its mark. Lords of the Fallen is a dark fantasy game, which I should also say is, again, very reminiscent of the genre. A lot of the Dark Souls and Souls likes have that sort of almost macabre, washed-out look, feel, and storyline uh, of a, like a dark fantasy story, and this is no different. The game starts where your character, Harkin, is released from prison by a monk named Kazlo to stop a mysterious invasion of demonic forces called the Rogar that are from a god named Adir, and Adir was defeated a long time ago by these three heroes, uh, a rogue, a cleric, and a warrior, who became known as the Judges. They, like, became demigods. And in interesting fashion, your character Harkin, at the beginning, kind of chooses one of those three archetypes, because you're sort of walking in the same paths as those Judges. You meet up with an explorer named Yetka, who's on her, like, own mission of discovery, and eventually go to the Rogar world where they're like coming through these portals into yours and try to stop the invasion. And along the way, you have to defeat like the Lords of the Rogar, which is kind of where the uh, Lords of the Fallen title comes in. If you are familiar with Souls Likes at all, you know that the boss battles can be either just annoying or downright frustrating. Uh, I found that it was kind of an equal mix of both. And then I found a few that were not really all that bad, but I did enjoy the way that it was set up. Like, the, the different bosses are not all the same. They have their own distinct style, look, feel. You will find that there are some that look like they are going to be an absolute monster, even, if I might say, the final boss. And you realize that it's actually not that difficult. And then there are some that are just straight up annoying. There's one, it's, it's like the second boss battle in the game called the Commander. And the Commander is just, it has this just gigantic shield. And it is so hard to get around the shield and do any kind of damage. And you really have to think about how you're going to be able to hit from behind, how you're going to get behind the Commander. And it took me, uh, like, just way too many tries to deal with uh, that boss. On that note, the enemies that you deal with in general are a mixed bag. The first ones that you meet that are kind of like these almost blistering undead creatures that have, like, big swords and stuff like that, uh, they become easy to hit, but they also smack really hard when they get into a little, a little rampage state. And so you learn pretty quickly from the first few different enemies that you have, like the big axe bearers and the rogues that kind of like come out of corners in the world, that you have to think about each enemy as you encounter them and start to realize, oh, that's an archer, oh, that's a shield bearer, okay, I... I have to think about how I'm going to address each and every one of these as I encounter them. But that's kind of what Souls-likes are. It assumes that even with the bargain basement uh, enemies that you are going to be dealing with in the world, that you have to think about how you are going to address them when you meet them. 
you can also walk up casually behind them and do a stealth attack and probably kill them instantaneously if you come at it from the right angle. Uh, and, of course, you will occasionally get surprised by them uh, if you are trying to just run through the levels, because they do chase you for a little while. People are probably wondering about the difficulty of Lords of the Fallen, though. And I can tell you that in terms of comparison to Dark Souls, it is not as hard. It is still very much a Souls-like game, but I think it's a little floatier in the way that it presents itself. And is a little bit more lenient on you when it comes to attacking. There are a few different ways that you can go about building your character. They do include magic in the system, and you do get, like, this arm cannon that you can use, uh, as well as some, like, spells. But what you'll start to realize very quickly is that they don't do all that much for you. In fact, when I played the game, I really didn't invest anything into magic, so that kind of left me with two other kind of builds, one that is a strength build and one that is more like a dexterity build. The difference between this is whether you want to use heavy weapons or light weapons. I honestly messed up the first time I tried playing this game. Uh, I had played for a few hours, and I decided that I was going to do a strength build, and I'd use the big heavy weapons, and I was able to defeat the first couple bosses, uh, got on to, like, the third, and just got super frustrated and realized that this wasn't really working out very well for me. One reason was because they suggested, hey, you know, a shield would be helpful. If I'm going to be using a shield, I'd probably like to have, like, maybe a, a quicker lighter weapon. And so I said, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to try something different because everything seems to hit me for a billion damage anyway. So maybe I shouldn't be putting, you know, points into health and strength. Maybe I should be putting points into, you know, my, uh, my energy and my agility because then I'll be able to hit harder with light weapons, and I'll have, like, a much larger stamina meter, or energy meter, as it is referred to in this game. And that ended up working out really well, and there's a lot of fun things that you can do, especially with, like, fists. I got a really cool set of fists that was called Needle, where if you're just dual-wielding, you can, like, do these constant jabs <laughs> at your enemy and, and then do, like, a swipe attack. Then you start to find that you can, uh, you know, use your shield in one weapon, and that's good for defensive tactics. So it allows you to switch those things up pretty much on the fly. In fact, if there was one big criticism that I could use, it's that the way that it lays out your controls, you end up switching between your configurations with the same buttons that you use to, like, activate stuff. For instance, uh, the same button that switches between dual weapon, weapon and cannon, and weapon and shield is the same one that I use if I hold down the button to interact with the environment. So if you aren't actually standing in front of uh, things that are in the environment and it's not registering, you'll probably end up switching your configuration and not even realize it until an enemy starts hitting you and go, oh no, my shield, where I don't have my shield equipped now. In similar fashion, they do that with your magic spells. 
And I don't really have much, but I do have prayer, which you can get at the very bargain basement eight in the stat. And if you want to activate prayer, you hold down the button until it activates. But if you switch between different spells, you press the button. But if you are in the middle of combat and you end up pressing the button before you you actually push down on the button, you end up using the wrong spell. Also, the same button that is used to uh, drink potions, if you tap it, is the same one that you use to actually drink the potions when you hold down the button. So if you're sitting there and kind of like going, oh, I'm going to try to drink the potion. No, I can't. And you run out of the way. You might end up switching your potion to one you don't want equipped. So as you can tell, that's kind of annoying. And you you start to think like, how can I take all of the other potions off of the list? (laughs) I'd really appreciate that. In terms of making it more forgiving, though, what Lords of the Fallen does do is stop all the action when you go into, like, your lists and stuff like that. Uh, If I go into my inventory, the world basically stops and waits for me to be done with my inventory. That has not always been the case with Souls-likes, that, you know, if I'm in my inventory, the world doesn't care. The world will just keep going. It doesn't care if I'm in my inventory or doing whatever I'm doing. Uh, Lords of the Fallen will allow you to do that. You can switch out weapons or whatever you want to do in your inventory, go out of those, and the world has just waited for you to finish. It's one of those things that they do to make this more accessible and easier to play. The other thing that you find is that there are way more flasks in this game than I ever remember in a Souls-like game. Like, uh, I have probably i'm starting new game plus to see what the difference is now and i have like 20 health potions they refill when i go to you know checkpoints so there's that there is also a system where as you kill more and more enemies without actually hitting a checkpoint it will increase the multiplier of how much experience that you're getting Uh, from 1x to 2x. I frankly feel like that system could have been a lot better and more interesting if there were maybe, uh, you know, things that you could wear or skills that you could take or something like that where maybe I could actually increase that x even further. Because once you get to 2, there's not a whole lot of reward for continuing on. I don't know why they wouldn't just keep that going. Like, hey, see if you can bring that multiplier up to, like, 5x that would be something because when the multiplier keeps going it's not doing it at like uh, 1.1 it starts at like 1.02 or 1.03 and moves up there's it takes a lot of enemies for you to kill to go from like 1x to 2x so i don't know why they couldn't have just kept that going for as long as they possibly can and reward players who want to just keep on running keep on running as far and fast as they can now I got really frustrated and deep in the weeds, especially in some of the catacombs and different areas of the game where you get very lost because they're just these big winding hallways. That's one of the things that I haven't always liked about Souls-likes. But I did get my way all through the game. I did defeat all of the enemies. I did not get to play the DLC very much, but I'm going to try to rectify that when I go back in. Um... And the final boss, like I mentioned, was 
kind of anticlimactic. I It didn't take me very long. By the time you get to the end of the game, you're pretty powerful, and you've probably collected some pretty good weaponry. So it really took me two tries. And the only reason it took me two tries was because there is like a laser weapon that the boss uses that one-shotted me. I had it down to like no health. Like if I had just dodged out of the way of that, I would have killed it in one try. So not exactly the um, Souls-like experience that you might expect <laughs> uh, from a lot of those bosses. New Game Plus is a really interesting thing, too, because what it basically does is that, you know, it takes away all of your keys and stuff so that you have to run through the game the same way and you have to unlock different areas and everything like that. But you do keep all of your stats and you keep your weaponry and everything, and the enemies are more powerful than they were the first time through, but you are definitely more powerful in increase than they are. So I've been whipping through New Game Plus pretty quickly. Like, the difference is between, like, 18 hours on the first try, and I'm, like, halfway through, and it's been, like, three on the second one. It's so much faster. So, like, I'm, I'm probably looking at doing a second run, even if I do the extra content that I didn't try to do the first time, at being at least half the time. Um, it's just, you start whipping through these enemies so fast. One, because you know what they do and how to, you know, address each one of them, but also because you hit so much harder in relation to them the second time around. You also start to realize that collecting the experience by the time you get to New Game Plus is kind of pointless because the amount that you need to uh, level up and get a point into your stats is, is pretty vast and takes a really long time. However, what I did find is that a lot of the chests that you unlock in the game will just, like, hand you an ability point or a spell point. Uh, I was able to get just like, I don't know, seven or eight skill points just from collecting them from chests alone in New Game Plus so far. Y you kind of assume at that point that the whole idea of collecting experience and the modifiers and stuff kind of fall away by the time you get to New Game Plus because you're just collecting uh, so many of them outside of that experience in all of these chests. I would also say that luck is a good skill for that because you get better components and stuff in those chests. It can be a slog. It can be frustrating. The maps can get very difficult to traverse, and you'll do a lot of backtracking just out of confusion. There are some cheap parts in it where an enemy will just, like, knock you back and then off of a cliff. Uh, maybe a sniper does it from like a mile away and you go, okay, well then how am I getting over this bridge? But I didn't find it quite as annoying as like Dark Souls when I played that. It was a little bit more accessible. I did have to push through. The restarting and building a new character after the first few hours was one of those moments for me. And it is for this reason that I think that uh, fans of Souls games are going to be a little split on it. They're either going to see this as a, an interesting alternative to a Souls game, or they're going to consider it a lesser version of, of Dark Souls. And so it's hard for me as somebody who's not really 
a fan or a stan of the genre to tell you if it's good or bad, but I can tell you that I did indeed finish it, and there are a lot of Souls games I do not. But since we are in recommendations now, let me tell you about another Souls-like game that you might enjoy, and uh, I'm going to tell you about Darksiders 3, because I always like to talk about Darksiders 3. In that game... In the Darksiders franchise, they take a Souls-like approach to the genre, and they cast you as Fury. And she is on her own path, having, you know, kind of disavowed her brothers, the other horsemen. And it uh, takes much more of a Souls-like formula, but it is much faster and sleeker than a lot of Souls games. Fury is much more acrobatic and combat-heavy than a lot of the games in the genre. So it becomes really fun to, you know, do the the more Devil May Cry kind of combat in some ways as you're going through the Souls-like. Uh, and she gets some elemental powers, and the big bad guys in the game are literally the seven deadly sins. And so from an aesthetic point of view and everything, I think Gunfire Games did a really good job with 3. It is very different than the first two Darksiders games, and that's okay. Uh, I'm okay with each entry in the Darksiders franchise being an homage to a different kind of genre, uh, where one was an homage to, like, Zelda, and two was an homage to Diablo, and three ends up being an homage to Dark Souls. I think that that's fine. I think it sets them all apart, and it makes them unique experiences. And I very much enjoyed how they did it in 3. And if you have not played it before, and you do like Souls as a genre, I would recommend it. I think you're going to enjoy it. Alright, so now I have to figure out which one of these caverns leads to the cavern that I actually wanted to get to, which you can actually not access from the normal ways you would think that you would get to that cavern. Anyone who's played a Dark Souls knows exactly what I'm currently talking about. Anyway, um, I do know the way that you can leave, so if you'd like to, you can... Wow, it didn't take much convincing, did it? We call that backtracking! Did you know that? 